Welcome back to our pod- podcast, <laughs> Rob Before Christ. I have today with me Jen Kinneman, and she's going to be speaking from her heart about foster care. And I'm just excited for what God is about to bring today because this is so different from what we've been doing. But I believe that this is something that God wants us to cover. And so before we begin, I just want to open in prayer and then I'll just ask Jen to just introduce herself and tell us about herself. So let us pray. Eternal God, I just thank you for this opportunity to just be able to sit down, God, and to speak about things that people don't always talk about just from the pulpit or it's just not on their minds until someone else brings it up. So God, I just thank you for this opportunity and I just pray that someone gets blessed by this and that you will speak to someone's heart and that you will even minister to us in this moment as we speak. I just leave this conversation into your hands and I just ask that you will have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jen, tell us about yourself. Okay, I Mm-hmm. And I um, currently am serving as a, an orphan care missionary, and I've been a foster adoptive mom for about 10, 11 years now. Yeah. So what is orphan care ministry? <laughs> Basically, it focuses on um, the children in our own communities that end up in foster care, and a lot of those kids need adoptive homes. Mm-hmm. church has a responsibility to care for them, giving basic human needs. Uh, family is one of those. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just that's what I do. I focus and help raise awareness about that and help the church uh, figure out how, how they help in that space. Okay, so how can the church help in when it comes on to foster care and how can they help um, families? There's the the biological family that God placed those children into Mm -hmm. that needs preservation. They need to stay together, so they might need help coping. They might need resources. So finding a way to come alongside those families and wrap around them with support and care and love, and whether that's um, helping provide childcare because those parents need to go to classes for um, addiction recovery or whatever that might be, that's one way you can support. In the way of fostering, simply open their hearts and homes to welcoming kids who need temporary families through foster care. They can open up their homes to care for kids in their time of need, which is simply how I got into the space. <laughs> God called us to care for kids in their time of need when that meant they were removed from biological family because of abuse or neglect and they just needed a temporary family where their family could get back on their feet and get healthy and strong enough so those kids could be placed back into that family. However, that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. And um, when families can't get healthy enough and the kids can't go back to their biological families, then they need to be adopted. And um, that's another way families can open their hearts to adoption and to welcoming kids into their family forever. And we've done that with one of the children who came to live with us temporarily. He needed an adoptive home. So that's one way uh, churches can 
wrap around the support of foster families because when you get kids from trauma placed into your home, they're not just entering your family, they are coming alongside and they become part of the extended family, they become part of the church family. So there's so many different ways to support. I could sit here all day and list them out, whether that's childcare, whether that's um, bringing meals to the families when they get new placements, then Aaron's team that runs out and some of these kids come with like nothing and so they can go run errands and get clothes for them or you know toiletries things like that um, we've through some of our ministry we've seen churches like start a whole handyman team and they built a whole room on a house so that a family could adopt a teenage girl wow. so literally what I like to say is whatever God's put in your hands head or heart you can use this for his kingdom purpose you can use it for yeah. You know, whatever it is, like um, teaching finance classes to the biological parents that don't know how to help, they don't know how to, you know, manage funds, or kids who are aging out of the system that never got adopted, that are just simply being kicked to the curb, per se. Like, they don't know how to fill out job applications, they don't know all these life skills because there's been no one to teach them. So, people can help on that end of things, too. How did the church get so distant from foster care? That's a very good question because it does say in James one twenty seven that pure and faultless religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and then keep oneself, ourselves, from being polluted by the world. So the church had the heart, they had the mission, um, they were commissioned to care for orphans and widows. So originally, historically, if we look back, a little history lesson, that the church ran orphanages. Mm -hmm. So they were all run by the church. And so they did exactly what we were supposed to do, was care for the widows, the orphans, and in their distress. And so when kids were put on the streets because their parents couldn't care for them or um, their parents were deceased, they ended up in orphanages. And currently, so many kids end up in orphanages. America doesn't have orphanages anymore. Other countries still do, so kids born with special needs or disabilities, parents are actually encouraged by doctors to put them into orphanages um, because they don't want them in the society. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids end up there that way. So for a long time, the church cared for the orphans like we were meant to do. But um, back in the 19, early 1900s, there was this thing that happened. There were so many kids in New York City and they were running the streets. Parents didn't have, you know, finances, whatever. They were poor. So kids were just running the streets. They did not have families to take care of them. And so this guy had a great idea. And he um, said, hey, you know what? There's all these families out west with lots of land, lots of space. They have farms. They need help. Why don't we send the kids out there? Mm -hmm. So they started this thing called the Orphan Train. In theory, it was a great idea, but it, it did become more like an indigenous situation where they didn't know if the kids were being cared well for. Um, sometimes kids had plans for homes to go into, but um, there's actually, in Concordia, Kansas, there's a museum all about the orphan care train. And so you see pictures of kids, like they're getting their teeth examined, you know, kind of like wow. a situation where they're examining them, seeing if they'd be good workers or not. Hmm. So not an ideal situation. And so the government actually stepped in and was like, on. We are losing track of kids. We don't know where they're going. We don't know if they're ending up being well cared for or not. 
in 20,000, sorry, 200,000 kids were placed that way. And so the government said, you know what, this isn't working very well. So they stepped in and began to create something that we know as the system, the foster care system. So because of that, orphanages all over the U.S. started closing down because they were placing kids into families temporarily. Um, that, you know, obviously the system, as they say, it's, it's broken. <laughs> but we know the church is the solution. Um, and so when the government stepped in and started the system, the church closed out all those orphanages and handed over orphan care to the government. Um, in, in Psalm 66, it says that God sets the lonely in families, mm-hmm. not in government institutions, not in orphanages. He intended these kids to be in families. And the church has families. They have healthy families that these kids could be placed into. So the church just handed it over. And so like as as ministers and pastors and teachers and medical professionals, we're all mandated reporters. So when we're, we're ministering to people, those awful things come up where we have to make calls to the government to then have kids end up being removed, which right. is sticky and messy. But we're handing these kids over to the government to then place them into homes and hopefully they end up being you know, <laughs> the best of the best. But we don't always know on that end. So the church has a responsibility still. It's still in the Bible. It's still our biblical um, commissioning to care for these orphans. So if the church would step back into the middle, yes, we say the system's broken and, and messed up, but God has provided the solution. And just numerically, in the U.S. today, we have over 400,000 kids in U.S. foster care, but there are 350,000 churches. So if we do the math, if every church would simply support one family to foster or adopt, all of those kids could be placed into loving, healthy, healing homes. Mm-hmm. And then the church would wrap around with the support, and we'd be doing our job again. <laughs> so you work with backyard orphans. What what exactly do you guys do? How do you go into the churches, and what do you teach um, churches to do? So we train um, the church leadership, so we really focus on that, and we help them to develop by based on their church culture, based on the how they do ministry already, how they can develop a foster care, adoption, and support ministry within the church community, mm-hmm. because they have families that come in that they get fostered, um, they become fostered, licensed foster homes, and um, the church is kind of already like, oh, now we are going to be caring for these <laughs> kids in our church communities, and so they already have this community built up, so if, here's the whole thing, like, not everybody is called to foster or adopt, but everybody is called to care right. in this space, so if you can care for the kids um, that are coming in, then the church can be equipped to um, being trauma-informed uh, to provide care in that way. So like all of the next-generation leaders, your, your pastoral staff, your kids' staff, your you know youth staff can be trained to, when these kids come in, know how to handle them and they're not pulling the parents out of church every Sunday, like, come get your kids because we don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, so we just really, we help the church understand our, our reason for being in the space and help them to develop what's going to fit best in their culture, what kind of teams are you going to offer for people to have that wraparound support. And then um, and then from then on, we want to see 
it so deeply in the church's DNA that whatever leadership comes and goes, the church is going to continue to do it. Mm. And so we also have them, you know, reach out to local child welfare and like support them as well, because we all know that's a very thankless job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I love that. Um, if I'm a lead pastor or just someone in leadership in a church and I I feel like the Holy Spirit's been placing this on my heart to, you know, think about foster care and all of that. How can I reach out to you? How can I get that help and more information about foster care and how to go about, you know, being possibly a foster family or something? Good question. <laughs> uh, I mean, people can definitely email me um, at jkinnaman, like cinnamon with a K, <laughs> at backyardorchids.org. hearts or leaders hearts that they want to get involved but like first off they're like well I just I can't foster or adopt in this time or I have five children of my own I can't do this so I guess I can't do anything and we're like no 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 there's so much more you can do but if we found a lot of pastors we work with like this is on their heart they want to do it but they just don't know how and they don't know who to call or how to get involved and we we come in we help them we help them vet agencies in their area we help them find the people to connect with to get involved and to get um, even the family families in their church that feel called to do it. We help them through the licensing process. We do not license the families, but we help them um, find where in their area to go. And then we um, help them map out what is going to work best in their church community. How can they help support the foster families within and then start reaching out. So it's very missional purpose. It's Evangelistic in that sense, where it's not just within, but it's like bringing in the mess into the home. Because <laughs> God, it says in uh, Psalms sixty-eight five, that He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. Is God in His holy dwelling? His holy dwelling. <laughs> it's a home. It's the place that He lives, and so He's inviting the mess in. He invited us in when we were unlovable and even rejected. So we're going to do the same in the hopes that kids and families will find Christ. They'll be able to experience the love of Christ through us, through us literally just being the hands and feet of God. Um, we're, we're called to be like Jesus in this world. And if he reached out and he said, don't hinder these kids from coming to me, the kingdom of God belongs to them. So we just want to empower church leaders and pastors and, and lay people to do this and do it well. So much so that government officials and you know child welfare social workers will be like you guys are doing this well how can we come alongside and help you yeah we want to change and impact the system for the better so uh last week you spoke in north point chapel on this topic and you gave three things kind of at the end of how people can stand with you guys um those resources would you mind elaborating on those okay well i would backwards. So um, to help this ministry specifically, I am a missionary, and so I am only able to do my job based on the financial partnership of people and prayer, because this is a, this is spiritual warfare. And so people can give, you know, financially or support or reach out that way. Um, the other thing is just preparing your hearts. We have a ton of resources on our um, website, backyardorphans.org. On 
like we have podcasts, we have um, back, uh, books, we have movies you can watch. Oh, really? I actually love, <laughs> love watching any movie that's like even surrounding foster care, adoption. Love it. And I love based on true stories. Anyway, we have great books, um, Adopted for Life. We have um, Connected Child, Whole Brain Child. All of these things just to help you prepare your heart to care mm. for kids. Even if you're not going to welcome them into your home, if you're welcoming them into your church family, like just prepare for that. And then um, third, the biggest thing is is pray. Pray and ask God what would he have you do in this space. If you aren't called to foster adopt, find what you can do. And that's the other piece of this. Um, there are ways to get involved, even if, like I tell our college students, you can't have kids in your dorm room, but you can provide <laughs> child care for our kids. You yeah. can um, pray, and praying is the biggest thing to get it in the hearts of your people. So every time I speak at a church, I say go to heartgallery.org and find your state, and you can find the list of waiting children and their pictures, and you can pick one. You cannot, the 400,000 kids in care, 107,000 kids are ready for adoption today. That's an overwhelming number, but if you break it down and you choose one kid and you find their name and their picture and their story, you can pray for them. You can pray for them to, that God would help find and place them into a forever home. So pray for them until their picture comes off the website because they have been placed into their adoptive home. And so that's the first way. Um, there's Royal Family Kids Camp is a huge way to like give up a week of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of camps up in New England right now are That's the thing I like about this is that there is not one thing to be done. Like, there's something that can fit everyone's personality, everyone's, like, schedule. There is something that can be done. So if I'm a person who wants to be involved and feel that calling or whatever to just do and help in foster care, there is something. And I, I, I'll provide the links in the you know the description <laughs> that you've you you gave, but I kind of want to switch gears, and I want to ask how did you come to want to do foster care? Getting a bit personal. <laughs> okay, I will tell the story. I when I got married, before I got married, I did not want children at all. Um, working in daycare and with children was really 
good birth control. <laughs> I loved the kids, but I didn't want to have them in my home or um, yeah, have to be responsible for them 24-7. And my husband just really believes, you know what, if God called me to marry you, he's going he's gonna to work on you. And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and so I, from 18, even before that, I babysat and I worked with kids. I was working at our church daycare and found that I had a soft spot in my heart for the kids who needed the most attention, needed, you know, they seemed to be more challenging, and I come to find out they were the foster kids. And I didn't really know anything about foster care in the system or any of that, um, but we were youth pastors at the time, and two of our students were turned over to the state by their own father, signed over his rights, he just didn't want to be a dad anymore. And I was like, what? Like, and then I never saw them again time where they were um, at the movies with their group home. And I was like, this, I didn't know that was something you could even do. And it kind of opened my eyes to like, what is this system? What is going on? And we were took our youth group about a year and a half later, took them to a concert and they were at, um, if you know anything about Compassion International, they were advertising that and trying to get sponsors for kids in other countries who they, you know, they need financial support to help them with access to education and medical care and food and things like that, just basic needs. And God so audibly spoke to me and said, you're going to do that, but you're going to have them in your home. And I was like, ooh, God, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I'm going to be foster care. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was just the timing didn't seem right. And I was like, no, God, like, are you sure? So I went home that night and told my husband, hey, uh, God called us to do foster care. Like, are you sure? And so he just trusted that I heard from God, and we simply were just going to care for kids in their time of need. And we didn't know anyone that fostered except for one other um, youth pastor family couple. And so we went right to them and said, hey, what do we do? What do we do? Where do we go next? You know, because when you you know about the need, but you don't know how what to do with it, you go to the one person that hopefully you know. Right. So the more people that do foster care and build this into the heart of the church, like the more normal it's going to be. Right. Uh, my my missions page is called Fostering the Ordinary because I want it to be, it is not just me, but like God, you know, it's so close to his heart. This should just be the norm in the church. Mm. That it's not so like crazy. Like, what are you doing? Because when we started doing this, we were the only family in our church that did foster care. Wow. So it was, it was hard. Um, we simply were just going to care for kids. We weren't planning to adopt. That was not in our hearts. We said, unless God changed our heart. And so when we did it, like they were excited. And then we brought in a kid from a hard place. And every week we were getting pulled out of service. We were like at the altar praying for people. And they're like, hey, come get your kid. And our leadership was like, this kid's getting in the way of your ministry to the youth. I was like, what? Like it didn't sit right with me. Like I was never called to anything specific. I graduated Bible college without a calling. I was just kind of willing to do whatever God wanted. And the more I said yes to him, God shaped and refined me <laughs> and used this space to really shape my heart into what he cares about. So we said, you know, this is, I just thought it was a personal calling. Like I really thought that. And then we, we ended up moving away that um, our first placement was able to go home two weeks before we moved. And the next church, there was foster families in it and there's a few and then us and um, it just helped you know building that community of it and I, I didn't realize in 10 years so once I got into the space it was like I could have become I could have become bitter about 
not just called to focus on the kids, but they come from a family that needs Christ as well. Right. And so through several situations, God changed our heart towards adoption as well. And so every time we'd get off track or, um, you know, we started doing a private adoption and that failed and had some hurt and loss in that, we went back and God said, just go to the last thing I told you to do. I said, all right, God, foster. So through pain, you know, we went through a time of healing and then signed back up and started fostering again. And then we moved out to Massachusetts and started fostering again. And that was where our hearts were like, okay, we're ready for a forever family God. But um, yeah, just his timing. And during my time of waiting, he grew my faith. Mm-hmm. He refined my character and I ran to the word and ran to what my Heavenly Father said. And I was like, God, I can stand on your promises. I'm searching, I started searching the word. Like, I can stand on this promise of, you know, Psalms 113.9. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. I was like, all right, God, I'm sowing seeds. I'm being a mother when kids need moms. And I'm just sowing the seeds. And at the due time, you reap the harvest. And God was refining me in my time of waiting. But when these kids are waiting, and they're waiting on forever families, they're waiting on adopted families, and they're in their time of waiting, they don't know their Heavenly Father. How are they going to know? show him, show them who he is, and be him to them, and they're in their time of waiting, wondering, where's my forever family, why can't I just go back to my biological family, at least, you know, at least I had a family then, and and they're wondering what's wrong with them, and so there's the difference, when you know your heavenly father, he can refine you in your time of waiting, rather than being wrecked by this world, and the destruction that the enemy wants to bring to families and children, so, yeah, that's... (laughs) kind of how I got into this space and I didn't know you could like do foster care ministry and like mm-hmm. I found out about this um, orphan care missionary I was like wait wait that's a thing you can do <laughs> and it was like God just like aligned my heart with his and the calling and everything seemed to align it was like I literally don't know what else I would do like I've always had jobs but this was like my calling yeah the only calling I've ever really had personally and for the church and just to raise awareness and I love like I was never called to preach, but, um, you know, pastors give up their pulpits to me to allow me to to speak the heart of God, and I'm humbled by that and honored every time that this is his, this is his ministry, this is just, I'm a willing vessel, and that's how I got to where I am today. The thing I love about your story and what you're sharing is that you made that point of, you graduated Bible college without a calling, so your life literally models obedience and faith and having to trust God not even knowing what the next step is but taking that step and then allowing God to guide you like that's amazing and then the point you brought across is um us knowing our heavenly father and how we can impact those who don't know their heavenly father and a lot of times we think of that as just preaching or just you know going on the street to evangelize or whatever but that also means foster care and to think that foster care is ministry it's just it's amazing to think about that um the next thing I kind of wanted to ask you is like how has your personal like experience been as a foster mom um how has that been for you spiritually you know on every level like how has that been for you I'm just gonna say spiritual warfare (laughs) (laughs) it has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done 
and it has been the most challenging thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, you lay it all out there. You allow yourself the vulnerability to have your heart broken because you are literally loving children as your very own with open hands to give them back to their biological families or wherever that may lead them. And God, you know, that's all he called us to do was just love. Like, he, he loved us unconditionally in, in our moments where we weren't lovable. And he loves these families, and he wants them to know through the way we care for them. And I don't always get it right. I, I you know, made my own mistakes and things like that, and there's grace for it. Mm. But I just trust God every time, you know, a kid comes into our home. I tell the parent, I am going, I, I promise, I commit to loving your child like my very own as long as they're in our home and with us. And the prayers prayed over them go beyond us, go beyond them being in our home. And so um, it has been hard uh, yeah. <laughs> in so many ways. I was recently asked to write some devotionals for a foster parent devotional book. And I got to write a couple of the chapters for that. And it was, um, I was experiencing things in the moment where I was like, oh, okay, I can't write anything about this chapter about false <laughs> accusations. I can't write anything about that. Oh, a couple months later, I, I think I can write that one. Yeah. Like, it, it's hard because, you know, we're dealing with, with brokenness and, um, you know, parents who want to parent and they need their, they need a support as much as the foster families, but they need healthy supports. And unfortunately, brokenness breeds brokenness and so a lot of the bio parents were from foster care if we look at where foster kids end up mm. it's disheartening to see what we're what we're losing by not ministering to them in the moment in the childhood moments where you know later on you know prisons are fed by kids from the system and um, human trafficking and homelessness is fueled by this this thing, you know, the one government institution, because if they don't have the support, if they don't have the skill set to move forward in life or, you know, do something constructive, unfortunately, um, Friends at Teen Challenge at any given point said 50% of the people who were in there to be rehabilitated had spent time in foster care. And so it's traumatic that what they experience in foster care, but it's also traumatic to be removed from the family that you know, your family of origin. That is traumatic. Mm. You know, if you're told today, everything you know, forget about it. Like, it's not good. Yeah, no. You got to pack your bag. Oh, you don't have a bag. It's okay. Here's a trash bag. Throw everything that you want. You got five minutes, and then we got to go. Well, what, I don't know where we're going to take you, but, you know, somewhere safer. <laughs> you know, that's what happens to these kids every day. And, and by the way, you don't know when you're going to see your family again. Oh, <laughs> I was asking about your own experience, which you 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 gave. Um, what was my question? I will say you build a relationship. Ideally, you can build relationships with the biological family, and you're kind of co-parenting a little bit, but with like the government right in the middle of that relationship. It's <laughs> yeah. very unique, but it's you know it it is what it is. It's that system piece, and uh, God didn't call us to shy away from it. to be wronged <laughs> um, and it's it's a terrible lesson to learn but 
to be wronged and know that God will fight our battles. Like, yeah. we just need to be still and be silent when God fights on our behalf. When we're doing everything in the pure motives and, like the word says, the pure and faultless, we have to be faultless. At the end of the day, we have to be found faultless, that we are doing this with pure motives and a pure heart, and we are caring for these kids the way we were intended to care for them, mm. without any other motives. Being found faultless is huge. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that out because in ministry, a lot of times we forget that it's putting our life out there, putting our hearts on the table and kind of just being like Christ, getting hurt so that others can be saved and they can be healed. And it's it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's what we are called to model as followers of Christ. Uh, you said that... You were when you were called to foster care in that church that you were in first, that you were the only the only foster care family. What would what advice, looking back and where you are now, what advice do you think you have to give those who may be considering or are about to step into being foster, you know, parents? Just what lessons? Something you wish someone told you. Just just go for it. I would say educate those around you as well mm-hmm. that are willing to learn. And lean on those that are willing to learn. Because there's some that will kind of tell you, well, you, when it does get hard, they'll say, oh, you knew what you are signing up for. Yeah. No, we absolutely don't ever know what we're fully signing <laughs> up for. People who have children, they never know what they're fully signing up for. You know, biological kids, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And so if there's people willing to wrap around support, bring them along with you and help them get educated. Give them tools and resources as well. And and unfortunately, those that won't, like, take everything they say with a grain of salt. Like, <laughs> we've had people say, you know, we brought kids into the church and they're like, what's wrong with that kid? And I'm like, I was left speechless one day. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? And then luckily this one lady came through and said, there's nothing wrong with him. And, like, laid her hands on him and prayed for him. And I was just like, thank you for saving me because you know they say some hurtful things but it's never intended that way you know like you have to truly just believe people's intentions are good yeah so just kind of just knowing what to say and knowing you don't always have the answer to say things but uh, you you be careful what you say in front of those kids because that's their life you're talking about that's their story and you're the deer and you just go around sharing it with everybody so yeah just knowing who to keep in that closer circle and those to just keep at a distance and be like, yep, uh, that's the mailman's kid. That's, you know, you don't have to tell them. I would do foster care. You shouldn't. You don't have to tell everyone that. But your close circle, the ones who are willing to walk alongside you in this journey, like hold them dear and, you know, be, be open with them and let them know on your hard days. Reach out for help. That's the biggest thing. So many foster families and parents, they won't reach out for help when they need it. Mm. Because unfortunately, they when they have tried, they were met with, um, you know, well, just give up, just quit. No, that's not that's not what we're called to do. We're just called to then bring along support for those in the midst of it on right. the front lines. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I don't think I have any more questions. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you have anything else you might want to point out or share. church back in the middle of the space so passionately that 
quit all my jobs and quit the side gigs. I let them go to focus on this. That our whole vision is that we could see a day where there's more families waiting on children than children waiting on families. Yeah. So that means when a kid is coming into foster care, being removed like that night, they're not having to sleep in the child welfare offices. That there's an open bed in a healthy, healthy home that's ready to take them in that night and see them through, and they don't have to bounce around from home to home or group home to group home because you know that's not the right fit. We want to see a day where there's more families willing to take in kids than there are kids that are in need of families, and unfortunately, that's not the case right now. So we have a lot of work to do in America. <laughs> yes. Yeah, can just as you just kind of to reiterate on what you said, it's just kids they need us, and as the church, we are needed. So, if you're someone out there who you feel like this has impacted your heart, or it's something that you feel like God's been speaking to you about, or even in the near future or whatever, I'll leave Ken, um, um, Jen's information and i'll leave the websites and stuff in the description and just feel free to just explore all these options and learn more about foster care because it's it's a genuine ministry and it's god's heart for the children to be placed in loving healthy families so yeah I like I like doing this so it was really fun and I'm glad that you know as someone who kind of helped me and boost my (laughs) boost my confidence to start this podcast I feel I feel honored to have you with us and just to speak your heart um with that being said (laughs) would you mind praying for those out there who just pray (laughs) Simply not because we were born into your family, but God, we get to choose to be adopted into your family. Your word says that we are adopted. And Lord, even you've called Joseph to be a father to your own son that you sent to this earth, Lord, that Joseph stepped up in obedience Mm -hmm. to be Jesus' legal adopted father on this earth, Lord. You have called those, you set the precedent for those that are being called to this space to step up in obedience, even in the unknown, in being um, pushed out or, or mocked. Joseph had that. He could have been mocked, Lord. You have set the example for us to love, just love unconditionally, Lord. Even though we don't know the outcome of the results that might happen, you call us to love like you love in hopes that those may know you and then enter your heavenly kingdom. So God, whoever is Shut up.
that social workers could be impacted and supported and loved and be thanked in their job, God, because they have a heart for kids too. Lord, that you would do a work of abundantly more than we could ask or think. Thank you, God, Thank for you, our ability to be part of that family. So, Lord, we go and we are your hands and your feet so that the fatherless can know their Heavenly Father. That we will go and we will open our homes so that they can know. God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. 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 That was good. <laughs> well, thank you for joining for another episode of Raw Before Christ. God bless you.